You guys have been amazing, honestly. I'm so excited. I've been in Adelaide for three weeks without having to fly out. So uh, that's great. It's been fantastic. I was walking along the beach one day praying, not knowing what to do. And God spoke into my heart and said, the pureness of your heart will determine the clearness of your vision. And I want to prophesy over this house, the pureness of your heart will determine the clearness of your vision. There's a purity of heart in this place. I pray you never lose. There's a generational blessing that's been on this house. that has been passed down. You see, we don't change everything. We hang on to the things that last through generations that bring about the purposes of God. We just change some things, not everything, because our motives should never change. Our methods do, but our motive, our mandate and our mission never changes to reach a broken world. And when God put that in my heart, I was deeply moved. And while we were singing that, I felt that, Joe, Lena and this church, the pureness of your motives. (laughs) You did this. (laughs) will determine the clearness of your vision. Thank you to all the ministry of helps that are out there. They probably can't even hear us right now. We, We love you and thank you for serving us so well. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you guys for thinking of those that sometimes people forget. There are people out there just working hard week after week and, you know, you bringing them together here today and pastors that are here. Thank you. I I was in England one time and and I was asked to speak at a group of young people that were going to Eastern Europe on mission. And I'd never been on mission. And I was only just starting off in ministry. I only had two or three sermons. And I'm driving to a place called Milton Keynes in England to speak to these students. I got lost on on the motorway. I got there two hours late. They'd been sitting in a room eating tuna sandwiches. So you can imagine the smell when I walked into that room. And they were sitting there looking pretty down on themselves. They were going to go to Poland and go to different places. 13 weeks of training and they had to find their own support. And I walk in the room and the Holy Spirit said, don't preach what you were going to preach. Because I'd never been on a missions trip like that. I'd never given up. I was on a salary at the time. I wasn't great. But, you know, I wasn't stepping out in faith. And I didn't know what to do. I started to panic. And then the Lord said, I want you to tell these students one word from me. And so I said, students, I want you to stand, just close your eyes. On behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, thank you. On behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, thank you. To all the pastors that are here today, on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, thank you. For all the leaders that are here, on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, thank you. You know, one thank you from God. Years ago, I used to think if Brian Houston gives me a nice word, I can live on that for three years. Because <laughs> I used to so look up to him, and I thought, if he says something, that I'm, he rang me one day and thanked me for what I was doing. I thought, can you imagine when God thanks us? Yeah. And on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, to all of you here today, thank you for being faithful. Yeah. And uh, you know, we're grateful those that were faithful ahead of us. Because I sit here, I go, I know, I'm sitting here, and I'm watching the young lady lead worship. And I go, that's got to be Bruno's daughter. Because I've been missing for a while and kids have grown up. And I go, I can tell by looking at her face. And Mario says, and that's his son playing drums. And I look over and go, yeah, his dad used to play drums like that too, you know, (laughs) when I remember. And so thank you guys. But as I summarise very quickly what's happened, I believe, over the last couple of days, is I believe there's been an impartation on prayer and seeking God like never before. And our lives will never be the same again 
from Pastor Tark. Thank you so much that we got you. We didn't just get your sermon. We got you. And, and thank you, Jody. Uh, we don't say much about Jody, but you're such a great pillar in the house of God. Every time I come to your church, I just love being with you guys. And, and, and give our thanks to your husband who releases you. And that's a, that's a great man that can release his wife. Fantastic. I think for me, I, I, I pray that you will receive a desire to get revelation from the Word. You know, that's the revelation from the Word, it means everything to me. If I don't hear from God, when I handed over the church, I didn't want to just preach the old sermons. When I traveled, I needed fresh revelation. I've got to live uh, on revelation or I'm gone, you know. And so for me, just quickly, just for a couple of moments, because I've got to fulfill the call of God on my life to preach 100 sermons. So, um, no, not really. Uh, and so for me, I want to say the Bible is not just my devotional, it's my directional. You know, it's not just my devotional, it's my directional. It ministers to me, but it also mentors me. We're all looking for mentors. Well, I'll tell you, the Word of God's a great mentor. And it's the divine mentor. There was a book, I think, written on the divine mentor. So it doesn't just minister to me, but it mentors me. It's not just my sermon material, it's my substance. It keeps me alive. When my son passed away, it took a while before I could get back into the Word because I loved it so much. I was scared I was going to get confused with what had happened, but it didn't take long. And the Word of God began to speak again into my life. It's my substance. It's not a chore. It's a joy. I look forward every morning to spending time with a divine mentor. It doesn't drain me, it trains me. I don't want the Bible to drain me. People say, oh, I don't get anything out of it. Well, there's got to come a time where we get that breakthrough where it doesn't drain us, it trains us. You know, it protects me. It propels me forward. It positions me where I need to be and it prospers me. And that's why I come with expectation, meditation and application. Now, many years ago, God began to show me pictures like I've been sharing with you from Scripture. And it was about 15 years ago that in my devotions, I was reading at the end of uh, Hebrews chapter 12, where it talks about God shaking all that can be shaken so that only that which is built on a solid foundation will remain. For he is building a kingdom nobody can destroy and that word went into my heart that no matter how bad the world gets, God is building a kingdom that nobody can destroy. And I asked God a question. I said, God, so what are you shaking? I know the world is shaking. We don't have to look very far to see the world is in a mess. And there's a lot of shaking going on. But when it comes to the church, what are you shaking? And that day a journey began because God said, keep reading. And in chapter 13 of Hebrews, God showed me seven shakings. They happened 15 years ago. The, the revelation came. Over the last 15 years, let's test it and see if God really has shaken those things. But over that period of time, there was a season where God began to open up Scripture. I, I was raised in legalism. I don't want to be smacked over the head with law. But I knew God was doing something. Just to give you a quick example, in, and we'll go to Hebrews 13 in just a second. But Matthew 21, 12, Jesus cleans the temple with a whip. He goes into the temple and he cleans. And I said, Jesus, if you were to come to the church today and you were to clean us out, what would you get rid of? And this is what he said to me. Personal agendas, polluted motives and perverted mission. Because if our personal agenda is to fight for our ministry, our motives are going to get polluted. They're going to get yeah, polluted. Then our mission will be perverted. 
And I realise that Jesus today is doing a work, a great work around the world of getting us back to the right agenda, to the right motives and to the right mission. And then I was reading during that time, uh, around that time, Matthew 9, the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And Jesus said to me, the church has got an issue. This woman had an issue of blood. And he says, the church has been bleeding. There's been a bleeding in the Western world. In the Western world, there's been a bleeding in the church. It's about numbers. It's about how good the music is and whether we've got the right amount of lights and whether we've got the right amount of... And in the right place, those things fit, but they've got to be in the right place. And it says the church has had an issue and it was like a 12-year bleeding. And he said this to me, just like the woman had to push through the crowd, my church needs to come back to the person of Jesus, the power of Jesus, And the purpose of Jesus. See, the person of Jesus, she touched the hem of his garment. He had the power to heal her. But the purpose was that none should perish and that we should not bleed but be whole. And God's got a purpose for a beautiful bride. He's got a beautiful vision for his church, his bride without spot or wrinkle. And I believe I'm going to be alive to see that happen where it's not perfection, but it is direction. And we're going in the right direction to be all that God wants us to be. But we've got to let him shake us. And I think when God wants to shake me, he wants to hurt me. No, he wants to heal me. When God brings shaking on the church, it's so that he wants to build the church And so at the end, I'll show you every shaking and what God builds through the shaking. But let me go through the shaking. You see, number one in chapter 13 of Hebrews, it says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Another version says, love each other with true Christian love. The first thing God showed me that he was shaking 15 years ago was Christian friendships. Friendships. Do you know that in some churches, friendships are witchcraft? Because people will take on an offence of someone else in the church that's offended and not worry about the truth that might be behind that. But if my friend gets offended, I'm fighting for my friend and immediately the leaders are the ones that are causing the problem. And God spoke to me and you know what happened? Many years ago, we we had a a guy called Mark um, Rutland who preached at Paradise, he now speaks in Ashley Evans's church in America, great Bible teacher, and he stood up at Paradise and he said, there's a problem with the Christian church, there's witchcraft. He said, it's friendships. When friendships get in the way of biblical truth, that is a form of control. And so when someone leaves because someone else got offended... And I've seen it at Edge Church over the years. At one time in my life, a rumour started that I was having an affair with someone. None of it was true. But people immediately believed the rumour. Then my 40th birthday, I cancelled it because I didn't want people to turn up because I said to my wife, people believe the rumours and they're not true. And it was a lady who had said that about four other pastors. And she'd been abused as a child. And so she transferred her abuse onto pastors, she would get attracted to the pastors. And when the pastors wouldn't get, go back with the same attraction, she would attack them. And so I want to say to you, my friends, that friendships uh, will get attacked in the kingdom of God because this is not a calling of convenience. We're called to truth. And, we, and, and so the Lord showed me that a Christian friendship, it says love one another with true Christian love. A lot of Christians love with secular love. When we agree, I'm with you. When we disagree, I'm out of here. If we're going to love the way the world loves, then how are we different? We've got to love each other with true Christian love. And the Lord showed me out of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1, that a Christian friendship will comfort you. It will connect you to God and His truth. 
If I'm a true Christian friend, I'll connect you to what's right, not what's wrong. And I will comfort you, I will connect you, but true Christian love also convicts. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And at that time, God said to me, Danny, who can say no to you? Because accountability is only there if we allow it. I've got to have people in my life and pastor talk publicly. You can say no to me. Don't do that. That's wrong. We need that in our lives. Oh, the Holy Spirit told me we've got to move on and we feel in the Spirit and we've got to do this. Where's the accountability? Who can check that out and see if it's biblical? Girl comes into my office one day. She goes, Pastor Danny, I know you're not going to agree, but I've fallen in love with this guy and he's not a Christian. But I asked God for a scripture. And she went to the book of Acts where it says, and it seemed good to them and the Holy Spirit. (laughs) To teach on staying away from immorality. And I said to her, did you read the whole verse? She goes, no, the Holy Spirit only gave me the first part. (laughs) That's what she said to me. Well, she did marry the guy. He did beat her up and she ended up in a nut home. When she was released, she came and saw me. She said, why did God allow that to happen? Don't blame God. You're not staying within the boundaries. The book of Jude says, stay always within the boundaries where God's love, not His wrath, can reach and bless you. And so, you know, true Christian friendships will comfort you. They will connect you. They will confront you and convict you because they care for you and they'll continue with you through every season if you let them. I want that kind of friendship. And God is shaking uh, the way we do life together. You know, in local church, because people get offended. Oh, for Jesus, I'm offended. (laughs) We're supposed to be extended, not offended. And so God said to me, I'm shaking friendships. I didn't realise it was going to happen in my life. Isn't it amazing? People you think are only in your life for a season end up staying for life. And some people that you think are going to be there for life, they disappear. And you've got to be able to trust God, but we've got to do it better. I want to promise you today, I'm telling you the truth, God is restoring some of the broken relationships I had many years ago. And he supernaturally is bringing it all together. But I said to my wife, do you have to get cancer before that happens? At my son's funeral, people that didn't like each other were there. People on different parts of the body of Christ all came. They dropped their differences. And I said to Sharon on the way home from the funeral, does someone have to die before we restore our relationships properly? And she turned to me and she said, someone did die. His name is Jesus. And he did die so we can live restored. The prayer that Jesus prayed. The night before he went to the cross. Isn't it interesting that Jesus brings a report to the Father? In John 17, those whom you've given me, I kept. I gave them your word. And I sent them as you sent me. But now I need to pray. He didn't bring a report. He prayed that they may be one as we are one. Jesus prayed for our unity. And if the devil can keep us busy in disunity, we don't get on with the job that needs to be done. And so I believe with all my heart that one of those shakings were friendships. But you know why he shakes friendships? So we embrace biblical unity. That's, that's the other side of it. God will shake our friendships so we embrace biblical unity. The number of people that I've seen in different places, oh, Pastor Danny, I forgive you. But I don't know what I'm being forgiven for. What did I do? I was offended by you all those years ago, but I forgive you. Well, up to now, I didn't know we had a problem. Now you've just dumped that on me. And I'm trying to work out 
what's going on. See, God wants us to deal with godly biblical friendships. And over my life, I've lost some friendships because of my convictions. I couldn't agree with what was being said, so they called me controlling. Or they called me narcissistic. But see, if the Word of God makes the final decision on how we do biblical unity, sometimes that can affect our friendships. In fact, can we bow our heads right now? There are pastors here right now where you are recently gone through this breakdown with what you thought was going to be a long-term friendship and you still carry the pain because you think it shouldn't have been like this. And I'm going to pray for a miracle in your situation. So it goes from a carnal friendship to a biblical unity. And the Word of the Lord to you today is don't do anything. Just trust the Lord for him to turn it around supernaturally. Just keep reaching out. I said to someone the other day, you got to love unconditionally everybody on the planet, but relationships shift and they are spatial as Paul Scanlon used to preach and they shift spaces for a while. But you're in the middle of the pain of that. And I want to pray for God's wisdom and counsel. If that's you, while every head's bowed, lift up your hand and I'm going to pray. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, God bless you. Father, thank you, God bless you. Father, I pray today that this shaking that you're bringing to the body of Christ is not to separate us, it's to unite us. And Father, to bring the body of Christ together. And I pray for miracles for these dear pastors' lives and their situations in Jesus' name. Amen. The second shaking is the focus of the church. They all start with F today. I did that specially for Pastor Tark. I'm sort of getting tired of P's. I'm going to F's now, okay? So the second shaking is the focus of the church. Why does God want to shake the focus of the church? So that he can heal our clarity or bring clarity. That's the positive side of the shaking of our focus. Verse 3. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember those also being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own body. I know you get different things from Scripture, and this is people that are being persecuted for their faith. But as I read this shaking, I said, God, what are you shaking? And he said to me, the church is still too much inward looking. And so it's not outward looking. Our focus isn't to those that need us out there, the broken and the hurt. And I'm not saying this to patronise, but when I heard what this church was doing on Friday nights and going out and giving food to people on the street, that's not just an add to the vision of this church. It is what this church is all about because the focus of our church can't just be Sunday church. And it was at that time, all those years ago, 15 years ago, that God spoke to me. I wrote a book called, Where Does God Go on Monday? And I should have brought some and given them to you. I forgot, you know. But uh, anyway, I could make some available. You can have them, but um, can't sell them. So, no, 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 he said that. Uh, <laughs> and so God gave me the concept of Sunday, Monday church. We've got to have healthy Sunday church so we can be healthy people in Monday church. And so you got to, we can't be the salt in the shaker. We've got to be the salt out of the shaker. We're called to be the light of the world, not just the light of the church. The salt of the earth, not just the salt of the church. And so God began to show me through this shaking. I stood in front of the people at edge and I said, if I'm going to be here 10 more years just to keep Christians happy, I can't do this anymore. I said, unless we do something. Now, I didn't realise how threatening this sounded. I said, there's a high school down the road and God wants us to renovate it. There's been suicides, there's been all kinds of things. And I said, if I can't get volunteers to come and help me renovate that school, I will resign. I said, because I can't just show up and just bless Christians for the next 30 years when the salt doesn't get out of the shaker. Well, 700 people turned up to the renovation, so maybe they wanted me to stay their pastor. So, um, and so I wrote this down. 
Sunday church is about believers. Monday church is about not yet believers. Sunday church is about discipling, where Monday church is a demonstration of God to the community. Sunday church is about revelation. Monday church is about activation. Sunday church is hands raised up in worship to God. Monday church is hands reached out to a broken human community. Sunday church, we listen to God. Monday church, we listen to people. Sunday churches come and grow. But Monday churches, let's go out into our communities. Sunday churches feed me so I can grow. Monday churches feed others so they can live. Sunday churches come to the family. Monday churches go to the fatherless. And God began to do a number on me as he said, if you don't become a friend of broken people in the community, your church will never, you know, we shut down our missions department because we made it a department. And God said, I don't want you to have a church with a missions department. I want you to be a church that's missional. And it starts from the top. If you go to church unlimited, the quality of culture in that house flows from the top. People at Church Unlimited don't have question marks about prayer because it flows from the top. And I used to have someone run the missions department, take 10% of our offerings, and all they did was travel around the world visiting the missionaries. And nothing ever got done. And God said, you're the leader of missions in this church. You need to become missional. And so I started inviting non-Christians to church. And I said to the church, they will sit on the front row with me. And there's a guy in Adelaide called Scott McBean. Some of you know Scott, a radio announcer and has lived a terrible life. One day he's on television. I watch him and God says, you are going to be in that man's life. I go, really? A few weeks later at my friend Joe Borelli's house uh, out here in the eastern suburbs. And guess who was sitting in his house? Scott McBain. I meet Scott. We become friends instantly. And one day he rings me. He says, I don't believe in God. I don't think. He says, but because you're my friend, can I come to something to celebrate your world with you? We had a men's breakfast. Dr. Robbie Sondarega was the speaker. He's a great psychologist. And he spoke on sexual abuse. Scott is on the front row freaking out. On the way home, he says to me, did you plan that? I said, no. Do you know my story? I go, no. I was sexually abused at the age of 11 by an Anglican priest in the choir. Where was God when that happened? And all the way home, he's got his head down. Everything come back to life of his pain. I get home. I had no idea. And the next morning before church, I'm just sitting in the chair out the back praying. The Lord says to me, you will renovate his house. And you'll renovate because he works from home. Because everything in his life has run down. And I said, and God, how am I going to ask the church to pay for a renovation for an individual house? And an individual in the community, the church are not going to do that. The board won't do that. I'm telling you the truth. The phone rang that morning as I was praying. It was my friend Joe Borelli, who is not a, well, he would call himself Catholic, but he's not a church goer. He goes, Danny, I can't sleep. I've got this thing about Scott McBain. Your church is the most incredible group of people to do stuff in the community. I've never seen, because he used to donate stuff when we did stuff in the community. He said, I've got this idea. Would your volunteers at your church be willing to renovate Scott's house? And I'll give you $80,000 and you can do it. So a non-Christian 
It's paying for the word God put in my heart. I wrote a letter to Scott. I said, Scott, I'm so sorry for what happened to you. My heart breaks to hear your story. And because I do believe in God, Scott, God wants you to know he cares and loves you. We're going to renovate your property as a way of saying sorry for what happened to you. And so we renovated his house. We had over 100 people come. We painted his roof, did his backyard up, rendered the front fence and did the whole, didn't finish it all. We did run out of some money, but he wanted to do some himself. And then one day I said, Scott, will you come to my conference and tell the conference of pastors why you're scared of the church? And he said, blankety blank, I will. I thought, I don't know if I should have asked him to do that. Five minutes, Scott. We were in Hindley Street at the time having a conference and he comes. 50 minutes later, he's still speaking and he's going and he's swearing. And, and, and the pastors have got tears in their eyes, not because of the swearing, but because he's telling them how scared he is of the church and what happened to him. But he said, you know, I don't want your sympathy. You know. And then he said this, the most incredible statement I've ever heard in my life, and he gets teary, is one day when Danny said to me, Scott, you know you can belong even if you don't believe. There'll come a time when if God is real, he'll reveal that to you. Of course, we want you to believe, but you don't have to feel you've got to believe to belong. And he says, that's the first time I heard unconditional love. And then he stands in front of the conference and he says this. I had coffee with Danny the other day and I told him these words. Now, you've got to hear this because it breaks your heart. He goes, Danny, if you can't convert me, please don't desert me. If you can't convert me, please don't desert me. He's not a Christian yet. He comes to church. He knows more people in church than I do or he used to. Sit on the front row, talk to people, love people, but hasn't had that revelation yet. And he says to me, please don't. We still talk. He comes over for my eggplant parmigiana because the Lord does use food. And, and... <laughs> he loves it. Brings his daughter. The mother of his daughter. They're not living together. She's a hostess for Qantas and she sees me on aeroplanes and comes up and hugs us. Don't desert me if you can't convert me. A pastor from South Africa hears him speak comes up to me after the conference and he goes, God just spoke to me to pay for his airfare to come with you when you come on your European and African trip and we want him to speak in every church. He's not a Christian. And so there we were in South Africa, Cape Town, stands up in church and tells his story and people are crying. And he's going, I don't know whether he's real, I want to know. But please don't desert people that are broken like me. The next day, we went out into Cape Town, into the, the open square, where there were these wonderful uh, people playing instruments made out of kitchenware and, you know, made out of bits of wood. They're really poor people. And I'm standing there with Scott, and he goes, why don't we invite them to church for the next meeting? <laughs> he's not saved, and he's being an evangelist. <laughs> so he said to these guys, would you like to come and play at church this coming, this next weekend? pastor was with us he goes let's do it they said oh will they let us in what do we need to wear we don't have expensive clothes pastor starts crying I'm crying they got on their pickup truck that they had with all their homemade instruments 
doing uh, blues and jazz. And they turned up at the church and we gave them a standing ovation as they walked in. They did 10 minutes before the meeting officially started. When does a meeting officially start? People in tears, they're playing their music. Some of them have bought new socks with Mickey Mouse on them and stuff like that. They just wanted to dress up somehow. And then we took up an offering for them. The largest amount of money they'd ever received in their life. On the way out, there was food in the foyer that was there for the people that had come as guests. And they filled up boxes of food and gave it to these guys to take home. I said, we never knew the church would be like that. And friends, today, God is shaking, not to hurt us, but he's shaking our focus so we have clarity. If we only build Sunday church, we'll become selfish. We'll become separated from real needs and we will stay salt in the shaker. On the other hand, if we only become Monday Christians and neglect the house of God, we'll become social but not spiritual. We'll be separated from our source. And we're not here to be a benevolent society, but the extension of the love of Jesus. And we'll become salt that's lost its flavour. So we've got to have Sunday, Monday church together. And so I believe God is calling us to do that. God wants the church to go from building walls to building bridges. From encouraging people to attend our church service to equipping the saints for works of service. From serve us to service, from inward to outward, from condemning the city to loving the city. I pray every pastor in this room that God will get hold of your heart because this totally changed my life. I remember reading the story of Jonah very quickly and it says, And God said to Jonah, go to that great city. It was a horrible city. It wasn't great. People's tongues were pulled out from their roots. People would be flayed alive. It was no great city. God never speaks into where we are. He speaks into our potential and what we can become. Go to that great city. And so for pastors, if you want to preach any of this, go for it. But the scripture God gave me personally. Oh, you know, wherever Danny goes and he goes into restaurants and he knows everybody, that's because he's Italian and that's because he's a sanguine. No, it's because of this. Luke chapter 10. It says, when Jesus sent out the disciples, when you enter somebody's house, first say, may God's peace be on this house. Later on in verse 7, don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, even though Pastor Tark's not sure on this, but eating and drinking what they provide. (laughs) Then it says, heal the sick, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. For me personally, this is how I live my life every day. Number one, be a blessing to the people that are in our community. I go to the same restaurants because I build relationship. So be a blessing. Number two, build relationship. Don't move around from place to place. When you find a place that receives your blessing, build relationship. Number three, bind wounds. It says heal the sick. Do you know there's a lot of people that are sick mentally, emotionally. They don't have to have a physical sickness. People are broken in all kinds of ways. And I live this in my life as much as I can. Be a blessing. Build relationship. Bind wounds. Pastors, you can preach this to your church because it'll work. And bring the message of the kingdom. You know what I've discovered? If you do those first three, they'll ask you about the kingdom. We went to a restaurant last night called... um, it used to be called Urban Duck, now it's called Duck Kitchen on McGill Road. And 
when my son passed away, the lady that owns the place fell apart. Totally fell apart. Sent us a card. Hugged us when we went in there. Why? Because she knows I'm a pastor. She knows our world. But I try to be a blessing to her. We've built relationship. The other day, she started complaining about her husband. I said, no, no, he's out in the kitchen. I better go talk to him, man. Don't complain. But bind wounds. Be there to bring help. She's starting to open up about her life. And then they want you to bring the message of the kingdom. Peter Niuta, he asked me to teach him how to pray. I took him out for coffee. We're sitting in the car. He goes, don't leave the car. Teach me how to pray. How many Hail Marys do I have to do? I said, Peter, you don't have to do any Hail Marys. But this is how you talk to God. Next morning, he sends me his prayer. Hi, Danny. Hope you're well. I'm going to start today with a prayer for both of us and others that are not well. Remember today is a new day with new babies being born. We are glad, Lord, we will see another day. Give us strength and give strength to our wives that look after us. And remember, Lord, our wives are beautiful angels that we love. Thank you, Lord, for the birds we hear outside. May today be a great day. That was the first prayer. This morning he wrote me another prayer. He's only been to church once here, last time I was here. He said to me, give everybody my love. Be a blessing. Build relationships. Bind wounds. And bring the message of the kingdom. Don't you think that works? It's worked for me, I want to tell you. The third shaking is fidelity. It says in verse 4, Give honour to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. And I read this and I thought, well, that's not me. I started to feel self-righteous. And the Lord said, do you know how many Christians have a spirit of divorce inside of them? That when a church doesn't provide for them what they want, they divorce that church. Then they marry another church. Until things go wrong there, they divorce that church. And he said, most people in the community will have two or three marriages today, but Christians will have up to 10 or 12 marriages. And God said, I'm shaking fidelity so we can have the spirit of loyalty. How good is that? God wants to restore loyalty back to the church. But we don't go our separate ways because we disagree on something, but we sit down and we do Christian fellowship and we come to the conclusion that God wants us to come to. Having said that, Christian marriages are splitting up nearly as fast as non-Christians because people just don't think that they were meant for each other. And what one generation allows, the next generation will enjoy. What one generation doesn't repair, the next generation will repeat. And God said there's a shaking coming in the church so that the spirit of fidelity and loyalty. Number four, the shaking of our finances. It talks about not trusting money. If you go and read verse, I, I, I want to move on, but you go read there in, in, in Hebrews 13. It says, don't, put your, don't be addicted to, to financial things and trust the Lord with your money. And I've seen the love of money destroy Christians' lives. The love of money, thinking, when I've done that, then I'll serve God. It's called the God of gonna. When I've done that, I'm gonna serve. And we're never gonna do it because that day never comes. Because the devil knows. It's, now, it's okay to have money. In 1 Timothy 6.17, it says, Don't trust money, but use money because God gives us all things to enjoy. So you can enjoy money. 
You can do good with money in 1 Timothy 6.17. You can be generous with money and you can share. Well, I want to do that. Someone said to me, Danny, what's your definition of prosperity? I said, my definition of prosperity is having enough to do the will of God. Having enough to do the will of God. Whatever God needs. I don't think we need evangelists that have to have their own jet to preach the gospel. And why do you have to jump on your jet to come to Australia to preach the gospel where there's thousands of pastors in Australia preaching the gospel all the time? Now, I probably need to move on because that might make me get all worked up. But anyway, what makes you think that what you've got in your heart is there for the whole world? God raises up leaders all over the world with humility and God is shaking that. Some of those top American evangelists right now are being investigated. And even, and I could say this because it's public, but even Benny Hinn got up just recently and said, I was wrong. My teaching on prosperity was out of context biblically and I repent. Oh, his crowds have gone down to a lot much smaller. But may our crowds get smaller and our truth get clearer. Because it's not about the crowds. And so I believe with all my heart that God is, this is before the, financial crisis and God is shaking our finances when God told me to hand my salary over to Edge Church and not receive anything I may have shared the story here I'm not sure but I went to Hillsong Conference as soon as I made that decision and within 15-20 minutes three individual people came to me said God's woken us up in the night a businessman from Tasmania Brian Houston, uh, Russell and a few others come and said we know what you're doing in the body of Christ we're going to send you $10,000 a year each just to help you. Another church, 20,000. And so, you know, I go, God. Well, the first thing I said is I'm going to stay here all day. <laughs> I might stay here a bit longer. <laughs> See, when it doesn't have your heart. Now, I was 25 years old when God said, you do First Timothy 6 and I'll put people around you that do First Timothy 5. I go, what's that? 1 Timothy 6, hey, Timothy, keep the love of money out of your heart. Keep it out of your heart. 1 Timothy 5, don't muzzle the ox while he's treading the grain. And God said an ox can't muzzle himself. There's people around the ox that look after the ox. He said, you keep it out of your heart and I'll keep what you need in your pocket. You do 1 Timothy 6 and I'll put people around you that do 1 Timothy 5. He said, you do this. And God will do, you do this and God will do that. You do that and I'll do that. And you become a channel I can flow through. And I've never seen forsakenness in that promise. But we've got to allow God to shake those things in our life. Do you know how many pastors I'm talking to that are afraid to hand over to the next generation because they're too young to get a pension and they don't know how they're going to live because the church can't afford to keep them both on staff. And sometimes the decision is purely made on money. We trust God, but not that much. I said to our church a few years ago, we love Jesus, but not that much. We trust Jesus, but not that much. Craig Rochelle wrote a book on the Christian atheist. And he talks about people that sit in church that don't believe what they hear preaching, but they're not going to say it. They'll turn up, but they, well, I don't think I could do that. God gives you grace for your space. So you can run your race. And you won't be a disgrace. Yeah, we'll write, turn a song. So shaking finance, I was about to sing a rap song out of that. <laughs> the fifth shaking, we're nearly done. The fifth shaking is our fellowship. Accountability, God's restoring accountability. It says, remember your leaders 
who taught you the Word of God, think of the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. We talked about Mariani Annucci because we're following the example of his faith. We've got to follow. And it says there in verse 17, obey your spiritual leaders. In the same chapter, it's repeated. And do what they say. Now, let's read the rest of the verse. Their work is to watch over your soul and they're accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. I said to Edge Church, I said, Church, if you don't believe I love you that much that I will give an account for your soul, go to another church. Because when I speak into your life because I love you, you're going to say abuse, control. Control is different than covering. If you have an umbrella over your head when it's raining, that's a covering. It stops the rain from hitting you. When a pastoral team are a covering, they're a protection, not a control. And Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The minute leaders don't imitate Christ in their doctrine and lifestyle, don't be under their leadership. What Paul was saying is, if I don't imitate Christ, don't imitate me. It's not blind loyalty, it's biblical loyalty. And so God speaks to me from this and he goes, people are just doing whatever they feel. And listen to this, and it really hit me, because it says in the next verse, For Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Have we ever preached that in context? Because we take that and we're allowed to because it fits in with the whole of Scripture and we put it up on a wall. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. But in the context of the Scripture is how you need to follow right examples because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever and this principle never changes. It's the same pattern. If we're not under accountability, no matter what generation we live in, and that's why I need protection. I have a board. I don't keep the money that comes in. They set a salary now out of the money that I get living by faith. And even that money, Sharon and I don't control. Why? Because I want to be accountable. I want people to say no. And so I believe that's the shaking that God's bringing so that we appreciate covering, not afraid of it. The sixth shaking is our faith. Christians' faith. Don't be surprised how many Christians don't believe in a real hell. And they're not really sure about heaven. They're not quite sure about that. But listen to verse 14. For this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus our continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. God will shake our faith so we'll live from eternity. Everything I do is from an eternal perspective. The last shaking is our function. Where Can I say this? We are all saved to serve. I've said it a few times. But the people that don't serve, sever. Criticism is love turned cold. And what happens, the people that criticise the most are the people that don't want to put their hands up and serve Jesus. So they've got lots of time to think about everything that's wrong. A lot of Christians have a sense of rumour instead of a sense of humour. We're not... <laughs> We are saved to serve. We're not saved to sever. May He equip you, verse 21, with all you need for doing His will. May He produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to Him. All glory be to Him forever and ever. Amen. He shakes our function so we become people of responsibility. 
When he shakes our friendships, we get biblical unity. When he shakes our focus, we get clarity. When he shakes our families, we get loyalty. When he shakes our finances, we get integrity. When he shakes our fellowship, we get accountability. When he shakes our faith, we live for eternity. And when he shakes our function, we live with responsibility. And God said to me, that's why I shake, because I want to build all those good things in my church. That was 15 years ago. God showed me that scripture in my journaling, and I've watched the body of Christ. And sometimes I feel it applies right now, because we speak into what we're becoming. And so, Father, today, please, please, Lord, as we are equipped and released from this Empower Conference, may every pastor and leader, I feel this so strong, Go back with new clarity, fresh revelation, an anointing for prayer. May they carry hurt and pain from a different posture. And may there be joy. As I was praying this morning at home, I felt that pastors in this room, there's a new joy coming. And you're going to stand up and speak and there's going to be a different weight on you. It's not going to be a heaviness, but the weight of revelation and there's going to be a relax that comes with that. Father, I pray that every leader and, and, and people, all of us, we're all leaders somewhere, that we will build that house with the room on the top. May we turn the lamp of revelation. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, those that struggle to get revelation from Your Word. Make it change today. Those that struggle to pray, may it change today. May we turn on the lamp of revelation and then sit at the table of preparation. May we then lay on the bed of relaxation and rest because you said you will build the house. We're only labouring with you. And Father, today I pray that you will bring back to our remembrance everything that's been shared at this conference we need. We may not remember everything, but what we need because we want to be empowered to build according to your pattern in Jesus' name. Love you guys very much. Be here again tomorrow. God bless you.